Welcome to All Along the Wasatch, a public affairs program produced by Bonneville Salt Lake City. If you would like to submit a request to be on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. Now, here's the host of All Along the Wasatch, Mike Parsons. My guests today are from Intermountain Therapy Animals, Karen Burns and Kathy Klotz, who are co-executive directors. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. So, Kathy, maybe you could start by giving us just a quick history of the organization, when it was started, why it was started, and by whom. Okay, so we were uh, we got our IRS authorization in September of 1993. So we're just starting our 30th year. The group was formed by three women who uh, all had good dogs for therapy work, and that was the beginning. We um, I I met, I moved to Utah a month after it was formed and was member number 13. Ah. So I have been here for a good long time. And why was it started? Well, that was back then people were just beginning to recognize the value of what animals can do for people, the literal therapeutic value of being with animals. So that was their motivation. Our our mission is to enhance quality of life through the power of the human animal bond. So that's the why. Okay, I get that. I've got a couple of dogs and they're my favorite people. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Karen, we kind of heard how Kathy got involved. How did you get involved with the organization? Well, if you can believe this, I've been around quite a while, too. So um, 26 years ago, oh, I no. got involved. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the time, I just had this amazing Harlequin Great Dane. And everywhere we went, people just, you know, were drawn to her. And she had a great personality. And I just... Felt like I was hogging it all up myself, you know. (laughs) So um, I wanted to find a way to share her with others, and that's when I found Intermountain Therapy Animals. And um, she and I visited um, a residential treatment center for kids and a grief counseling center, hospitals. Um, She was a great size because she could walk up to a hospital bed and look right into Mm. the patient's face, you know. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of what started. I've worked with three other animals and um, have been around, started um, on the staff in 1996. So, And you guys are, you ladies are co-executive directors. How does that work? Well, we've been working together complimentary for <laughs> 25 years, so somehow it works great. <laughs> well, that's good. So tell me, you know, this when people hear Intermountain Therapy Animals, they might think that you maybe train therapy animals to, to sell or to give to people, but that's not what you do. Kind of explain how the program works, if you can, Karen. Yeah, um, that's actually a common question. We, we get phone calls saying, hey, how do I order a therapy animal? <laughs> um, um, it's just not that easy. So our program works with people who have the right dog. We do have other animals in the program, but, of course, the high majority are dogs. Mm -hmm. So the dog needs to display the right temperament. That's the most important thing. Does your dog love to go out and meet new people? Are they the dog at the dog park that ignores the other dogs and goes to visit all the people at Mm -hmm. the dog park? You know, Um, they need to just make any stranger feel like they are the best person they've met all day. Um, so that's not something you can train for. Um, if you have that temperament, the rest you can train for. Um, basic skills, sit, down, stay, come when called. Um, but the main thing is 
do they really want to love being a therapy animal and go new places, meet new people, and enjoy the work. And when we think, at least for me, when I hear therapy animal, I picture a dog in my head. And so that that doesn't surprise me that's the most common animal. But, Kathy, what other kinds of animals can be therapy animals? Anything that's a a long history of domestication, like guinea pigs, rats. um, People have had uh, many horses, Mm. many donkeys, uh, full-size horses. Uh, There are some facilities where, where people go to the facility itself and they visit with cows and horses and any other manner, pigs, whatever, it has to be an animal that there's a long history of knowing that they're that it's not going to be harmful to them to be in communication with people and vice versa. So they're not going to transmit diseases back and forth, right. stuff like that. But it's 98% dogs. And <laughs> of those, only about 10% of dogs really have that temperament that is appropriate. And all of yeah. the all of the animal owners are volunteers, is that correct? Um, there are people with their own pets um, that come to us with these dogs with the right temperament and the right skills. So all of our volunteers, we consider a team, a person and their animal, the team. And Kathy, what kinds of therapy can animals do for humans? What, what, what kind of benefits, what kind of, well, maybe what kind of people would benefit, what kind of conditions would benefit from having a therapy animal? Um, actually, Wherever there's any kind of therapy going on, if you add an animal into the situation, the the patient will feel more motivated, more willing to participate in what they have to do. Um, they'll have more fun, so they'll do it longer and harder than they might have. So they're great in rehabilitation therapy, for one thing. Um, but we've been everywhere you can think of, from senior facilities to psychiatric units to the burn ICU to even an eating disorder clinic for young ladies. So wherever there's therapy needed, a dog can help it work better, make, be, be more effective. And Karen, for someone who's listening right now and, and thinks, oh, it would be great to have these therapy animals come to a place that I know of, how do, how do they go about requesting that? Yeah, that's a great question. And um you should know that currently the demand is higher than the supply. So That does not uh, surprise COVID, me. <laughs> yeah. And since COVID, um, everything stopped. Um, and that, what we noticed as it came back is really the demand is greater. The healthcare workers really need it. We now have programs that only want us to visit their staff. So <laughs> um, we have assisted living centers where the residents were told to isolate for months and months and months. Well, now they don't want to come out of their room, so they're trying to find ways to get them out of their room. So there's um, quite the need for it. So if anyone, a facility is interested, if they get on our website, they can fill out a request form, and we will get it up on our Opportunities website for all our volunteers. Um, It's not a first-come, first-serve. It's pretty much our volunteers choose where they want to visit uh-huh. because we want it to be the best setting for their dog and for that person so they get to pick where they go. And Kathy, I saw on your website that you have a program where dogs help children learn to read. That sounds amazing. How does that work? Yeah, that's probably going to be our legacy in this world. We have about 300 of our own volunteer teams, but We've qualified more than almost 7,000 therapy teams all over the U.S. and 27 other countries to do this. How it works is 
if you bring a dog to listen to a child reading, he the kind of things they tell us are he listens to me without interrupting. He never laughs if I make a mistake. I know he's not going to go tell my friends that I'm stupid. Mm, mm. Um, and their confidence grows, and they, in a way, they take on the role of tutor because they feel like they know more than the dog, and they really want the dog to understand. So they're always turning the page of the, turning the book so that the dog can see the pages and. Kids that are just terrified of reading or that it's overwhelming to them, they just they just thrive in that environment. Um, kids that get to have a program where they just read with a dog 20 minutes a week for a school year, um, they, we've had kids go up two to four reading levels within one school year. So it's pretty remarkable. I love that. Dogs are amazing listeners. They never interrupt yeah. you. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> in- <laughs> If I can add a little sure. um, to that, we we often get told things, Kathy and I have done this for so long, that when people find out what we do for a living, they say, oh, how cute. You know, you work with dogs. Oh, how cute. <laughs> and kids read to dogs. Oh, how cute. So it is, of course, dogs are cute. But there's physiological things happening. Um, when a person pets a dog, the blood pressure is going down. Relaxation improves. I mean, confidence improves. You're getting... Um, flooded with oxytocin, which helps you calm down. So a lot of the advantage in, with a child reading to a dog is these physiological things that are happening before they read out loud to a, an adult and a dog. Um, and it's the same in the therapy settings. It's real physiological things happening is why this works. Dogs are always happy to see you, too. I'll add that. That, yeah. <laughs> that too. But, but that, so the things that our therapists have, for Matt, have said for years that this is magic. I studied four years, and I couldn't get this patient to do it, and your dog, he, he turned it around in 10 minutes. And it's all because of that flood of positive hormones, and it makes people smile for the first time. We get that so often. They smile and laugh. They um they start to participate. They open up. They talk to therapists about things the therapist needed to know and they had previously been unwilling to say. There's just endless good things that they do. And Karen, with, with demand higher than supply right now, if someone's listening who has a pet and they feel like they have the right di- disposition, what's the next step? Yeah, next step, visit our website. It's it's easy to remember. It's just therapyanimals.org. And at the top, there's a blue button that says volunteer. And if you click on that, you can read through seven different steps to really help you determine if you have the right dog for the job. Um, If you get through all of that and you think, I still have the right dog, then you call us to schedule an interview where we can meet both of you. And what sorts of, I mean, you sort of answered this earlier, but what sorts of dogs would be bad at this? Um, if a dog doesn't want to do it, if he's only doing it because you want to want him to, um, he's only trying to please his master. If he won't make eye contact or lean into a patient or be willing to be petted, if he pulls away or turns away, these people who are already going through the worst moments of their lives will feel even worse. 
And then the volunteer doesn't find it rewarding either because there's no connection happening. So that's the essence. It's just a dog that can light up at every new stranger he meets day after week after month mm-hmm. and be excited about it. Are there certain so brain- we, oh, Go ahead. Yeah, Mike, we say everybody's dog is a personal therapist and a personal emotional support animal, but there's not that many that want to do it as a professional job, really, to, to help others. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, are there certain breeds that are that tend to be better at this or no? <laughs> That's a great question, and we get asked that often. <laughs> um, I always, my answer, and Kathy, you can interject too, but my answer is always there's not one breed better than another because it's really all directed at their temperament and personality. Um, that being said, we have had a lot of retrievers in labs over the years, um, and currently we have a lot of doodles. Um, mm. So there are definitely some, you know, breeds that make nice therapy animals. But generally speaking, it's really about the temperament. We've had Chihuahuas, Yorkies, two Mastiffs, and Newfoundlands. So, um, oh, Mastiffs are so, Mastiffs are so gentle and kind. At least that's yeah. my experience. Yeah, so we've had every breed you can think of, even the kind that usually live out with the sheep and only know the shepherd, you know, the kind that are protecting against wolves, things like that. They're, it's an individual temperament. Um, and this is always kind of interesting. The three founding dogs, the partners of the three women who founded the organization, were a German shepherd, a Doberman, and a Rottweiler. So any breed can do it if they have that proper temperament to light up at strangers. And Karen, maybe you can, you've, you've mentioned that you have some affiliate groups that nationwide and, and worldwide. What does that relationship uh, look like with the affiliate groups between Intermountain Therapy Animals and the other groups? Yes. Yeah, so um, we never set out to be a large therapy, therapy animal organization. It, it just became a need in the, in the country. And so there were already therapy animal organizations and they just came to us and asked to use our testing and training protocols. So they are our affiliates. They they train, they test, and then we provide their liability insurance for their members who have gone through the process. See what you've um, started? T- <laughs> I know. It's pretty <laughs> <That's> amazing. <wonderful. laughs> and uh, in total, we have um, 21 other affiliate groups in 18 other states, um, and that's Pretty, and I should have, pretty amazing. <laughs> it is. I should have asked this at the beginning. What um, Intermountain Therapy Animals covers more than just Utah? What area do you cover? Well, yeah, our own teams like... are all along the Wasatch Front from St. George up to Logan. And then we also have a lot of teams in Montana and a few sprinkled around Idaho. That's where we are at the moment. And let's say there's someone who wants to volunteer their time, but maybe they either don't have a pet or they know that their pet's not right, but they still want to help out. Do you have volunteer activities for just humans? Yeah, we, Karen, we definitely your... do. We, yeah, we definitely do. We, we just don't have as many opportunities. Um, but our teams, I should have mentioned this earlier, every team is tested every two years for skills and temperament and handler skills. Um, it's not just the dog's test. It's the handler's, too. Um, so every two years, we have to do these screenings and assessments, and we do need volunteers to put those testing days on. So if someone was interested, if they give us a call at our office, 
um, we can put them on a list and let them know when those opportunities arise. Um, we might have a fundraising event or two throughout the year we would ask for help at also. Mm-hmm. But um, So there's some opportunities, just not as many. Kathy, can you give us some examples of, of specific people, I, without giving their names, of course, but tell us about some spe- specific examples of what you've seen recently? Yeah, um, during the pandemic, we were we had physicians who called us up to the cardiac ICU at primary because they had a, a, a girl who was 17 and she was really depressed about her situation and they couldn't think of anything to do for her. So they asked if we could bring a dog in. Even during the pandemic, we did that. So to, to pull her out of her depression and make her willing to participate. Um, another one that's been kind of fun for us, we've had two physicians, pediatricians from primary join us with their dogs recently because of the power of what they've seen the animals accomplish for the kids. And one of them tells these cute stories like there will be a sign up on the door at primary in somebody's room that will say, everybody stay out unless you're a dog. (laughs) Um, Or she's in there, she's just been doing what the child needs for treatment and she gets all done and she'll say, so is there anything else I can do for you today? And the little person will say, yeah, can you make sure the dog comes back in to see me? Or, or they'll, the dog will be there and the pediatrician comes in and the, the child will say, I can't see you right now because the dog is here. <laughs> it's just so important to them and it's so much fun. And it's it's really got healing power because of how good it makes them feel. So that's the reason they joined us is because of and, and the that's, good it did. I'm guessing that's probably one of the biggest reasons that the two of you continue what you're doing. It's those personal stories for sure. <laughs> it's something that almost more than anything I've ever been involved with, you can see a difference every single time you can go out. You know that you've made a difference and you've helped somebody along that tough path of healing. Um, it's just so powerful so often that it's very rewarding. And we've had a lot of volunteers who have been with us for 10, 15, 20 years because of that. Just as an example, this is an arena people don't even think of. But, um, for example, during the week of the Uvalde school shooting, um, the Fox News Channel called us and said, our reporters have had such a terrible week. Is there any way you can send some therapy dogs tomorrow morning? And so we called the troops and went and and helped the reporters de-stress from a horrific week of news, you know. Um, I I always say to my wife that we don't deserve dogs. They are amazing animals. Probably the only animal that ever loves you more than it loves itself. Um, Yeah. They are are very powerful in that area. Um, Karen, maybe you could talk about what kind of misconceptions people have about therapy animals. Um, Yeah, I would say the biggest challenge we have is um, there are three working dogs that are recognized by the government, Um, a service animal trained to help one person with a disability or more. Um, They have rights of access everywhere. And then there's the emotional support animal, which requires no training. Um, They get to live in places that don't allow animals, but they don't have rights of access either. Um, And then there's a therapy animal. Um, Therapy animals are not service dogs. They're not emotional support animals. They are, they have a rare temperament because they do want to go new places and meet everybody and make them feel good. But we only get to go places we are invited to. So 
that would be the probably the biggest challenge we have is people come to us and say, I want to have a therapy dog so I can take them on an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, that and doesn't Kathy, happen. <laughs> yeah. And Kathy, um, I maybe this is something you don't want to get into, but I feel like people have really abused the whole idea of the emotional support animal and have taken advantage of that. Is that, does that? Well, they have. I mean, it's really legitimate in, in cases of PTSD or, you know, various emotional or mental difficulties that people have. But the problem is there are a lot of people online that will just offer the the doctor's prescription, which is what you need. They'll play it off their credentials on offline and and go out and pretend to be one. And because they don't require any training, they get into a lot of trouble and create a lot of havoc. You've probably heard stories about what happens on airplanes when they bring their emotional support peacock or right. whatever. So. The government got a lot more strict about what could qualify, and and really dogs are, again, the principal one that's allowed, and they're no longer, all the other kind of animals are not allowed uh, because of that abuse. They narrowed the field way down on the definition. It's too bad because there are definitely people who need an emotional support animal without question. Oh, yeah. It's just sad that those that are abusing that are are kind of ruining it for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Karen, where do you see your organization in 10 years? What what will be the same? What would be different? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I just have a hunch that we will keep on the path we're on and continue to grow and perhaps serve more of the country um, as needed if we can manage supporting it all. Um, we, we need to keep growing because, like I've mentioned earlier, the the demand is high. So hopefully that's the direction we're going to keep going. Um, Our desire is just to make sure we do the best possible service for the people that we meet with and for our animals that we don't ever treat them like a piece of equipment or a tool that we honor the things that they do. Because Mike, when we walk into a room with several people, it's always the dog who knows who who needs them most. They are yeah. so intuitive with all this. So I would say that really I want to keep doing what we do really well. But the other thing that I have a long-time dream is that eventually insurance will understand what a great benefit that is. And oh, yeah. when, when people get incorporated into an insurance program, because people will heal faster and better and be out of the hospital sooner um, if they have So I'm hoping someday that we'll get insurance. Intermountain Therapy Animals, and the website, easy to remember, therapyanimals.org. Karen Burns and Kathy Klotz, who are co-executive directors, thank you so much for telling us about your wonderful organization. Thank Thank you. Our pleasure. Thank you for listening to All Along the Wasatch with Mike Parsons. If you would like to submit a request to be a guest on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. That's mparsons at ksl.com. 